Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Alexis Christophorus here with Rick Newman and Jared Blickery to discuss Bitcoin. And it's really hard to think of something so complicated that has become so popular as fast as Bitcoin. With the price of the cryptocurrency soaring and, of course, mainstream interest surging, Yahoo Finance got the clever idea of asking readers to send us their top burning questions regarding Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. And here to break it down for us are Rick and Jared. So, Rick, I'll start with you. This was sort of your brainchild. Tell us why you came up with this survey. We know there's tons of interest in Bitcoin. We're practically talking about it every day on Yahoo Finance. We're watching that uh, price very closely. And of course, I, by the time I say how much the price is up, it'll be obsolete. <laughs> you know, don't say it. 10 minutes from now. <laughs> but it's up something like 18% so, uh, 1,800% so far this year. And obviously, lots of people just want to know, how can I buy some? I want to make 100% return in two weeks. How do I do that? Um, so we thought we would ask people what they know about Bitcoin and what they want to know about Bitcoin. So we ran a survey. Uh, we got more than 6,000 pe- 6, people uh, to respond to this. Uh, the first thing we asked is, uh, have you ever bought Bitcoin? Uh, about 24% of resp- respondents said, yes, they have purchased Bitcoin. So I'm sure that's higher than yeah, that in the population. Over- well, this is yeah. the Yahoo Finance audience. So these, are, right. these are people uh, who think about investing and want to know about it. Uh, and then we asked, um, do you currently own any Bitcoin? Uh, and we got several thousand people who said, yeah, uh, I do. I do own some Bitcoin. And then we got a bunch of people who said, I don't, but obviously I'm thinking about it and I, uh, and I want to know more. So that's where we gave them the opportunity to ask a question, uh, leave a question with us open-ended, just uh, typed it into the comment box. We got more than 3,500 questions. I went through the whole list. Uh, Lucky there, you. Yeah, there were some, <laughs> there were some recurring themes. Uh, what well, is that, Bitcoin? That was my question. Was that the most <laughs> probably, asked question? Yeah, the, pro- probably what the, the heck most, is most asked yeah. question was literally, what is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, where does it come from? What backs it? Who backs it? Um, how does the, uh, where does its value come from? All sorts of things like this. So maybe we could we can get Jared into the conversation because yes. he is our expert trader, uh, resident Bitcoin expert. Recovering and, trader. <laughs> <laughs> you're still recovering from it, huh? Um, help us answer some of these very basic questions. What is it? Because we keep hearing it's digital currency, it's cryptocurrency, but I can't go to the grocery store and use Bitcoin yet. Not yet. Uh, and that's coming to uh, some of the retailers, but that's probably a long while off. The, the biggest reason for that being the price volatility. But what is it? It's a peer-to-peer uh, decentralized payment system. It's not tangible, so you're, you're never going to see a Bitcoin. If you see Bitcoin uh, on TV or in print, and we use them in our articles all the time, it's just a token that's a representation It won't of it. be jangling in your pocket. Exactly. So you don't have to worry about any noise created by it. Um, and these, these Bitcoins are created uh, by miners who process transactions. And to process these transactions, they solve very complicated math problems, which are designed to be complicated, so they use a lot of electricity, and when they're done solving this math problem, you have transferred your Bitcoin, and a small percent of new Bitcoin has been mined or just created out of existence, and then is allocated to these miners, whoever won in this particular sense, miners compete against each other. And the fixed number of Bitcoins that will ever exist are 20 million uh, 21 million, and that's expected to happen in the year 2140. So that's a long way off. 21. We should point out 2140 oh, because not some, people, some people think, oh, that's like 23 years away. <laughs> it's 123 years away. <laughs> and when that happens, 
we probably won't be here to see it. Jeff Bezos will somehow. Right. <laughs> you better believe it. What happens at that point? You just you hit the ceiling. Well, that's a there's a, a concern that even before then it becomes uneconomical for these miners to process these transactions. Now they do get paid a transaction fee. This transaction fee is theoretically limited, and so before we even get to that 21 million figure. Uh, these miners, it's going to take more electricity for them to process these transactions than they're going to get in fees. So what happens then? The Bitcoin network could become insecure. Um, it, any number of things could happen, and for various technical reasons. It's already uh, pretty insecure. I mean, we're seeing the well, holes we, being punched all the time. We see the insecurity on the exchanges, mm -hmm. not with Bitcoin itself. The technology behind it, the code behind it, has been tested over the years. A lot of it has, there's a lot of changes that have been made to it too, but it is robust. It's the exchanges where we have the problems, they're going down. You, you hear people not being able to get their money out of Bitcoin from these exchanges. So that's where the problem is. And also the volatility. Um, as I was saying, that's why you don't use it for ordinary purchases, because by the time you transfer it to somebody, and transfer fees are expensive now, um, you've already, uh, the price By the time price. I take my item down the aisle and go to the checkout counter, it's gone right. up like, a, you know, $1,000. Well, yeah, that's the way it is in some South American countries sometimes. <laughs> you Can said I, they get, I just want to ask quickly, you said they get paid. Who's paying the miners? The, the miners get paid through the algorithm itself. So when they solve this math problem, which which results in a transaction being completed, uh, bitcoins are created ex nihilo, out of nothing in the process, and the miner who has won uh, to put that block, and there is one block every 10 minutes that contains all these transactions, uh, the miner gets to keep that fractional bitcoin. Got it. Can I, if I could just take us back to basics for a moment, because everybody describes bitcoin as intangible, and it sort of seems like it's just vapor. Like it is nothing. There's nothing. It's 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 a big bunch of nothing. It's not nothing. It's actually software. I mm -hmm. think it's important to point out that uh, what underlies Bitcoin is software. The algorithms Jared was talking about, and I think people can understand that software is not nothing. Software is something. Software is tangible in a certain sense uh, because it lets us do things. I mean, your your computer operates on software. Your smartphone operates on software. So to me, this is a useful way to help people understand is that um, we understand that software has value because it lets us do things we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. And that is in large part where the value of Bitcoin comes from, which is Bitcoin in theory and in actuality allows us to do things we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. That's where part of the value comes from anyway. And when you went through these 3,500 questions, were there any that were, I don't know, a little oddball, a little th that made you smile, that were just out there? Uh, a lot of uh, confusion about how people get paid uh, when you transact in Bitcoin. Where does the money come from? Where does the money go? Because it all just seems to go into the Internet. Um, somebody said, I heard that uh, gaming chips are used in pro in uh, the, these machines that uh, generate Bitcoin, that people use to mine Bitcoin. It makes it sound like it's just made up. Like it's a video game. Mm -hmm. Is Bitcoin a video game? <laughs> and I mean, there that, that's actually a good question. Uh, Jared can answer the provide an answer better than I can. But in, basically, it just so happens that the chips that are good at uh, processing video games, this is made by companies like Nvidia in particular, um, also happen to be good, uh, well suited to the machines that mine Bitcoin because the way they process, they process very quickly, much more quickly and differently than traditional CPUs. Uh, so that technology just happens to be well suited to Bitcoin, but it does lead some people to think like, is this just a video game? Is this just make-believe? Right. You know, one of the questions uh, I had that I saw people asked as well is, 
how much money do you need to buy Bitcoin? Because you see that it's worth, you know, over $18,000. Say, oh, wow, do I need $18,000 to buy one Bitcoin? But you can break that down, right, Jared? It's highly divisible. You can break uh, one Bitcoin into 100 million pieces called a Satoshi. And if you were... the Satoshi is, a, is the first name of the person who purportedly invented Bitcoin back in 2009. It might be a person, it might be a group of people. But um, back to the question, you can buy on some exchanges like Coinbase as little as $1 worth. And that's going to be, I don't know, a few hundred, few thousand Satoshis there. Uh, in terms of transaction fees, it's probably not going to be economical. It'd probably cost you $4 to buy $1 worth. <laughs> yeah, I, I, right. wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. But you know, for people who want to say they're in the game, that might be worth it. You can be in the game with $100, put it that yeah. way. Mm-hmm. You I, got in the game, Rick. You even wrote about it. I did. I uh, started buying Bitcoin in October uh, for a couple of reasons. First, that's when uh, st- we started hearing serious discussions about there could be uh, exchange-traded funds in this coming soon, which would give a lot of people who don't want to dabble in these sort of gray market exchanges uh, a, sort of a mainstream way to in- invest in this. The second reason is I visited my son in college, and one of his good friends there is a junior who's been investing in Bitcoin uh, since he was, uh, I don't know, a teenager. I don't know I don't know when he got started, but he's been doing it for a few years, and he's kind of like the rich man on campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he takes everybody out to steak dinners, and I didn't ask him how much Bitcoin he has or how much it's worth. Um, but he clearly has uh, uh, improved his quality of life by investing in Bitcoin. And I thought, man, if uh, teenagers can do this, that's something I really ought to know about. So I started buying a little bit. And you've done quite well since uh, then. That's right. So my nominal holdings are up, uh, last time I looked, man, uh, something like 150% Wow! in two months, in two months. Now, the amount of money I put into Bitcoin, uh, I'm, I can lose it all, and I won't have to, uh, I won't have to start selling furniture. Right. So you, um, you went into it knowing this may be funny money. I may just lose it. Absolutely. That's and important. I, th- I think my goal is just to let that, let it sit there and see what happens, because it's a great way to learn about cryptocurrencies. I mean, one of the things, uh, you know, you learn as an investor is you don't have to own a lot to start paying attention. If you buy just a little, you're really going to pay attention. And that's how you learn. You still, yep. when you see it, when you see a big swing one way or the other, you want to know why did that happen? When you have skin uh, in the game, that's absolutely. And it doesn't have to be a lot of skin. Right. right. I, I'll tell you, um, <clears throat> here's what, here was a recurring question. Should I be buying Bitcoin as part of my retirement account? A lot of people said, when will this be available in my 401k? So I think they're looking at the way they apportion their funds on Vanguard or Fidelity or Schwab or whatever it might be and mm-hmm. saying, where's the Bitcoin fund? And of course, the answer to that is, um, sure, if you don't mind losing your all your retirement money invested in Bitcoin. Um, and then some people said, well, should I invest 5% of my retirement funds in Bitcoin? And I think it's the same answer. Well, can you lose that 5%? Exactly. Because What's this your, could go to zero. Right. It could go to zero or very close to zero. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, you know, I think the way, you know, some people will say, I'm going to put a little portion of my money aside for high risk investments. Um, and this would have to fall into that bucket. You know, some of the questions really were thoughtful. And, mm-hmm. and one is, what is the collateral behind Bitcoin? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Yet it is up how many percent, how much percentage, you know, this year alone? 1,800%. Uh, you can... Uh, you can uh, try to value it any number of different ways, but the ultimate value is what people think it's worth. Two people to have a transaction for two people, and it doesn't matter what you're transacting is, each person has to think that what if whatever the other person has is of higher value. 
and that's how exchanges are made. Um, you know, there's a lot of electricity at work, there are chips at work, um, there's software at work, so there are tangible things that you can point to that are involved in Bitcoin and the Bitcoin network, but it's not backed by anything. For that matter, gold isn't really backed by anything either, except the trust that people have placed in it over 5,000 years. And so that's why Bitcoin being, what, eight years old now, is, uh, <laughs> yeah, is a newcomer. And people are skeptical, and rightly so. Well, and Bitcoin's of... been around for like 5,000 days, almost. <laughs> well, there you go. Where's the trust? Yeah, but here's the real question. One of the reasons this is so fun watching this is because we're, it is the formation of a market. And we're seeing all the, uh, I mean, we, it's, it's e fairly easy to understand with um, goods that have obvious utility how we value them. Um, a shovel. It's under, we understand what the utility of a shovel or a loaf of bread is, and it's not that difficult to understand why people will be willing to pay for that, because they can do something with it that they need to do. Um, where does the value of Bitcoin come from? Um, Jared's right. It is like pure psychology, really. Um, and this is one of the things we're... Because if you and I agree on the value, we've got the value. That is the value. It's what a, a buyer and seller are willing to agree on. There is some implied utility in the value we place on it because we wouldn't value it if it didn't have any utility to us. Uh, but this is really squishy uh, for Bitcoin. And, you know, this is sort of, this is, uh, I think, an example of something we're going to have to get used to even more uh, as uh, uh, digital technology proliferates, as artificial intelligence comes along, and we really have to get our brains around what is a digital asset. But it will be based on something, right, Jared, once it becomes part of the regular trading scheme of things, once we do start getting uh, exchange-traded funds in Bitcoin? Won't, won't the value be something at that point, other than you and I agreeing on what it is? Um, not really, because there's always going to be, the value is always going to be decided by two parties in a transaction. Supply and demand. If it's a derivative, I mean, we have two Bitcoin futures out right now, and uh, they seem to be doing pretty well in terms of uh, no major market disruptions, decent volume, not a lot, uh, not a lot of liquidity, but they, these are forming the basis for what will probably be an exchange-traded fund, and we're going to see Wall Street get into this probably in a very big way. It's going to take a year. It's going to Kicking take and years. screaming, but they yeah. will. Yeah, but it doesn't change the way that it, things are valued. It just adds legitimacy to the psychology behind it. Here's another question. Is there value in this currency outside of black market transactions and ransoms? Because that yes. is sort of what we associate Bitcoin with. Uh, well, yes. that was uh, fair to say um, one of the things Bitcoin was actually very useful for at the beginning and even now still is because it's uh, much harder to trace. And I think, help me with the technical uh, explanation here, the wording, Jared, but the, your identity cannot be learned from the transaction itself, really. It, it, if you are doing a transaction through an exchange, then most likely, uh, at least one here in the United States, then most likely you, you are required to provide a, a information on yourself to that exchange. But you can do person-to-person -person transactions with Bitcoin where nobody knows your identity. I think even the person on the receiving end doesn't even need, need to know your identity. Oh, right? no. And that's, that's cited as one of the major benefits is, um, let's, as, let's compare them to credit cards, for instance. The merchant has to have a certain amount of trust in you. Uh, they might need your name. To open the account, you'd have to give your bank or the whatever, the your social security number. You don't have to have trust between two people. The trust comes from the system itself. And so th there are no chargebacks in Bitcoin. Once a transaction is finalized and it's been confirmed a number of times, that's it. It's, it's gone. It can't be undone. It's done. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's ingenious, really, uh, although for most normal consumers, I just, I honestly don't see that there's a lot of value in that. Um, 
there are there are benefits uh, to almost all of us to being inside the mainstream financial system with all of its accountability. Um, and when you sort of look at this, uh, you know, the uh, anonymity that Bitcoin provides, I'm not sure that is a benefit for most consumers. In fact, it might actually be a liability uh, because you lose some finance, some protections when, w along with that. So we keep talking about we're in a Bitcoin bubble. And if if and when Bitcoin crashes, because what goes up does need to come down eventually, it just depends on how hard it's going to come down. Are there f farther reaching implications other than the people who invested in Bitcoin lost some money? The market is too small right now to have an outsized effect on the U.S. economy. Uh, let's, let's fast forward two years, and when it's become, as I see it, a major product that Wall Street is invested in, uh, the market is much larger um, than it is now because of the derivatives on it, both in the futures and the ETF, um, talking a multi-trillion dollar market. Still, it's just a blip. Um, when you compare that to the valuations of the stock market, of the bond market, of the derivatives market that we already have, uh, it's hard to imagine. Now, some people are going to get hurt because a lot of people are probably over-investing based on uh, the, the current price performance. Some people will get hurt, but it won't have a, an outsized effect on the economy. It certainly won't crash our economy. There, the the uh, one thing that could happen here is there may be some people right now who are in a hole, let's say, uh, they are they're in debt more than they need to be. They sort of see this as a way out, and they might be uh, piling money into Bitcoin. And you can actually uh, charge credit cards to buy. You can put Bitcoin on a credit card at some exchanges. So I have a feeling that if there is a crash here, we will uh, there will be some people who end up even worse off than they were because they. Uh, I mean, this is really it is like a get rich quick scheme. Yeah. Um, is it a scam? That was one of the other questions somebody asked. Is it a scam? It's not a scam in the, in the sense that somebody's selling you a bogus product. I mean, it's not a bogus product. It's a legit product. It, but it is a product. Uh, whose value is basically untested uh, has never really been through a crisis. I mean, there certainly have been there have been crashes in bit in the value of Bitcoin before, um, but not with this many people involved. So, yeah. uh, let me just give you one little uh, one a few numbers from our survey. We asked um, the people who took our survey, uh, what do they think? Is is this a bubble? Is it not a bubble? Um, what should they should they invest? Should they not? So uh, about 23% said cryptocurrencies are here to stay and they're a good long-term investment. 17% uh, said cryptocurrencies are a bubble, but it's still worth investing in them <laughs> because I think the bubble's going to get bigger before it bursts. In other words, I'm going to get gonna in. Get out they think they're going to get in, right. uh, make some money, and get out before oh, they, it bursts. They're, they're going to time the market. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Only 13% only said cryptocurrencies are a bubble about to burst, stay away. And uh, the largest uh, group said, I don't know what to think. That was 47%. That's an honest answer. I think that's an honest yeah. answer. I think that is, that, that's how I feel. Yeah. So I guess there's no real fear here, Jared, that cryptocurrencies will take over the US dollar anytime soon. No, until you can pay taxes with a cryptocurrency, mm -hmm. which would have to be allowed by the government, that's just not going to happen. Um, they can compete, and if the price stabilizes somewhat as money comes into the market and we see a, a stable Bitcoin price, it might be accepted by more merchants, uh, more lenders as payments for debt. But until the U.S. government itself sanctions it, and that's up to uh, Congress to do, uh, it's not going to be legal there's, tender. There's a better question, or another question underlying that, which, which is, what will Bitcoin be 
in the long run? Will it even be a currency or it will be will it be something more method. like a commodity or a store? About? So it is a currency, right? Sort of a limited use currency right now. Um, there are some people who say that's not really what Bitcoin is for. They view it as more a store of value, value comparable to gold. Um, and I, I just I have trouble seeing the case for uh, Bitcoin ever being a mainstream currency. I, I just I just don't think uh, it is that useful to that many people. One of the, one of the characteristics a currency has is a store a unit of account besides a store of value. So if you're keeping your books and records denominated in Bitcoin, then Bitcoin has arrived. But we're not even close to that because, as we said, the price is fluctuating versus versus every other currency so much, nobody would keep their books in Bitcoin. No, and, that, there, and there are giant liquidity problems with Bitcoin right now. Yeah. I mean, you, the, different exchanges quote different prices. Uh, what I found, uh, just looking at my account on Coinbase, is that uh, during some of these big price swings, you can't even get into your account, which means you can't sell. Um, right. So people, which is again why, if you're investing, you have to do it with money you feel you can lose. Yeah, because if you get if if there is sort of a, a run on Bitcoin, and let's say panic selling ensues, or even aggressive selling. Uh, well, you're going to be looking at the value of Bitcoin going down. You're going to look at the value of your account going down, and you're, you may not be able to trade your way out of that. Um, so we know in the regular markets we have circuit breakers, uh, but you know even the, all the uh, all the uh, brokerages have really been battle tested at this point. They know how to get trades done on super high volume days. There could be there could be outages, but they're not going to last for hours or days which could be the case with some of these um, exchanges. An uh, important point to make here is, is who's holding the Bitcoin. When you, what happens when you buy a Bitcoin? Well, if you're buying it through an exchange, which is usually the case, you give the exchange your money and they hold a Bitcoin on your behalf. You don't get the key to that Bitcoin um, and you really need the key to be able to control it. So what you can do from there, and Dan Roberts, uh, Yahoo Finance's Dan Roberts made a great video of how to transfer your Bitcoin off of an exchange and put it into a USB drive where you can hold on to it and you don't have to worry about trying to get your Bitcoin And the out. key is not a physical key, it's a string no, of numbers, it is, right? exactly, it is a numerical key. And the only problem with that is the transaction fees for Bitcoin right now. Uh, he, he did a live demo and su was absolutely surprised that it was 15%. He transferred $100, he got charged $15. That was a particularly high volume day because it depends on how much uh, traffic there is in the system. But uh, yeah, the, the fees right now to transfer are pretty high. Well, guys, this has been a fascinating conversation. We can go on and on. We could. But we can't. But uh, the conversation will be going on here. We went on and finance. on in this article. That's we, <laughs> So you can go to find 74, 74 Bitcoin questions answered at Yahoo Finance. And that's where we go on and on for as long as anybody Best 20,000 words ever. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Newman and Jared Blickery, thanks so much for clearing the air a little bit for thanks us all Alexis. on Bitcoin. And thank you all for listening to the Yahoo Finance podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.